Welcome to the AMR Studio, a podcast dedicated to the multidisciplinary research on antimicrobial resistance, hosted by the Uppsala Antibiotic Center. Hi, I am Eva Garmendia. And I'm Jenny Jagman. And I'm Po Ching Tang. Hi, welcome to our second special episode this week for World Antibiotic Awareness Week. This episode in our series about AMR communication is an interview that Ava did with Amy Reed at the WHO, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Uh, so we are very happy to have with us, although through the internet, the marvelous things that the, the technologies allow with us, Amy Reed from the World Health Organization, WHO. And she is part of the team that works day by day with communications of AMR. And we are going to hear a little bit more of how they work, what are their challenges, and overall, yeah, what do they do to try to communicate this complex issue to, to different audiences. Amy, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, of course. No, so as you said, I'm Amy Reid and I'm at the World Health Organization headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, so I've been at WHO for just over one year. Um, this will be my second World Antibiotic Awareness Week campaign, which is my main area of work. Um, before this, I've also worked for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, the British government, um, doing communications and previously also with UN Environment, not working specifically on AMR, uh, but communications more generally. So I'm, um, I'm very excited to be talking to you today. So can we maybe just get into it uh, right away and yes. tell us uh, a little bit what is your experience communicating AMR and how is it currently part of your work? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so I work for the AMR division specifically at WHO and our team um, our team works on objective one of the Global Action Plan on AMR, meaning we cover awareness, education and behaviour change on AMR, which is uh, obviously where communication comes under as well. So our team is predominantly responsible for our World Antibiotic Awareness Week and I project manage that. Um, we also look at behavior change methodology and behavior change consultations on how we talk about AMR and looking at strategies for dealing with AMR from a behavior change perspective. Um, and beyond that, we also endorse education um, on AMR specifically. So we don't do that work in our team, but, um, but we help to communicate it across different um, areas of WHO as well. So beyond sort of our own objective of um, the Global Action Plan, we also work much more broadly on AMR. So we consult across WHO departments to ensure that where AMR is part of their work, we're able to present the widest and most accurate picture. Um, and that's given, you know, its status as such a, as a predominant and current um, health issue across the world. That's just part of, a part of what we have to do as well or get to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, we are very curious as to how does your team look like? What type of disciplines and what type of people do you, do you work with to get to, to these goals? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so our specific team, um, as I said, sits under the AMR division at WHO and focuses on awareness and behaviour change. And with our team, we have, um, we have just four people. So we're quite a small team specifically working on this area. Um, we have a technical writer with over 20 years experience at WHO. Uh, we have an awareness and behaviour change expert. We have an ex-journalist and former advocacy lead at UNICEF. And then we also have um, me as a communications expert as well. So we are very comms focused, very writer focused um, in our specific team. But given the complexity of AMR, we definitely work across the division. We are in touch with technical people and scientists 
every single day and every aspect of our work goes through them or comes from them to begin with. So to say that maybe we're not the technical leads on AMR, but everything we do comes from a technical person or goes through a technical person, um, making sure that all of our materials and advocacy campaigns and key messages are aligned. I mean, it's so lucky that we are able to have some of the leading experts in the field consulting on every single piece of work that we do. It's really a, a lucky thing for me that I have all this knowledge at my fingertips as well. Yeah, because I, I can imagine that it's a, a little bit complicated and difficult in the sense that AMR is so complex, you still want to have information that is uh, sound, that it represents a reality, but you need to think about how to communicate the message in a way that a lot of people that might not have the same background that, that you know, the experts have are able to also understand it. But you don't want to sacrifice on the truth uh, behind the message, right? So how do you face these challenges in particular. I, I can imagine that maybe the scientists and the professionals you talk to might differ on your opinion of how the message should be sent across. No, 100%. I mean, it's definitely a, um, a balancing act between what's uh, technically and scientifically accurate and also who we're talking to and the best way to communicate to them, um, what the best way to communicate is. Um, so when we're talking to the public, it's obviously a much longer process in kind of pulling out and teasing out those messages out of the science that the general public are able to understand and also that they want to listen to. People, people don't tend to listen to messages that they're not interested in. Um, so it's also making sure that that's you know, an appropriate message for an appropriate audience. So a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it just comes down to really spending the time. It, it takes a long, long time to be able to, to get something that's so scientific, so, so, so complex like AMR and also so diverse that like spreads so widely um, and also has so many different aspects that need to be covered. It's a very, very slow process in making sure that we're able to pull out exactly the right message and direct it in the right place as well. It's not an easy, an easy thing at all. <laughs> so linking a little bit uh, with that, um, mm -hmm. what are the, the main strategies to communicate in AMR that you guys work with? And what are the key targets in these uh, main strategies? And why do you choose those ones? Perhaps because they are more popular with communicating the message or maybe because they are more in line with the, with the action plans and with the governmental driven uh, goals? I mean, uh, Across our work generally, we are, we are still really focusing on creating general awareness of AMR. That is our main focus as a team. Um, I mean, that's basically because levels of awareness globally, as we've seen, are, are still very, very low. Um, although we are seeing an increase in uptake of messages um, as well, which is a good sign. It's still, it's still very low, though. It's really hard for us to communicate on a global level, given the vast differences in, in levels of awareness that we see. I mean, there are very obvious examples, like we see differences in awareness between high and low income countries. But beyond that, even, even within one country or one region, um, there could be vast differences in, in awareness and knowledge of antibiotics and AMR between rural and urban, urban populations. Um, and this is always going to affect how information reaches people. So I think based on those sort of theories um, or those sorts of processes, uh, we've had to kind of adapt many ways of talking about AMR at the same time that are able to target different, I mean, either different regions or different, different target groups. 
and also, you know, different cultural and, and ethnic groups as well. Um, it doesn't all, there's no one cover all for everything, which makes it, you know, a really, really difficult thing as well. So at probably one of our, our main, yeah, so probably the main, uh, the main tool that we use to communicate about AMR at the moment is World Antibiotic Awareness Week, um, which is held each November. And it aims to increase global awareness of antibiotic resistance and antibiotics generally and encourage best practices among the general public and health workers and policymakers to avoid further emergence of, um, of AMR. Um, so this year is the fifth year of the WAR campaign. And this year we've chosen to go with the message of the future of antibiotics depends on all of us. Um, and we're trying to address directly ways in which the public can help to extend the life of current antibiotics but also reduce the spread of resistance at the same time. So primarily that's infection prevention. So we're focusing on vaccination, hand washing, safe sex, and general hygiene as well. Um, so that's, that's one way that we're trying to target a very public um, audience with these messages about AMR and increase just really general awareness of, of these issues as well. So the last two years of our campaigns have been public facing and specifically have to use uh, human-centered design so you know, a focus on, on the person, on their needs, on their requirements, and kind of looking at how they are going to interpret information. Um, and we've done this through really realistic materials that people can identify with. Um, and we've extended that campaign from last year into this year as well. Um, so using you know, geographically diverse regions so people can identify and see themselves and see these situations that they might be able to recognise and then um, take the messages in uh, or like internalise the messages a bit more as well. Um, so that's probably one of our main ones. Yeah, because I, I, I can imagine that perhaps campaigns that empower people could be relatively more successful than campaigns that even though they inform, they require more a passive outtake from the people getting the information, right? And in today's or this year's campaign, I see it as things that people can actively do in order to ensure that antibiotics will work in the future rather than, for example, the message that just listen to your doctor, you are not really doing much. It's just, okay, whatever your doctor says, you are not really taking a stake on it. But now when you are talking more about how can you face this with more hygiene, best practices regarding hygiene and safe sex, then they are kind of more actors on it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad that you, you noticed that as well, because that was a very, you know, distinct choice that we made this year um, to move away from, yeah, these more passive messages, because there are a lot of passive messages around about AMR. And what we found also is that instead of, uh, I mean, it was increasing awareness, but instead of uh, instilling some sort of hope in anyone that something could change that there are solutions to this it was sort of demoralizing the situation it was it was turning it into this hopeless situation that meant that it, there was no end to it um and i mean that's just that's just not the case as far as we're concerned and we really want people to be actively able to to have a role in their in their health as well and this was kind of informed this year's campaign um, yes, very, very interesting and, uh, of course, very important work done in the area. This, for example, the World Antibiotic Awareness Week is a very global campaign and 
will target a lot of different type of audiences. But I'm also curious as to how do you work when you want to to tailor the message more to specific audiences. And I'm thinking, for example, not only different parts of the public or public in different countries, but also I'm thinking about people working in different fields like the animal field, the environment field, or the human health field. How how does your approach changes when you want to tailor the messages to these audiences? Yeah, so at WHO, I mean, we're quite lucky that we we don't, necessarily need to cover the whole scope of um, animal human environment health we are a human health organization but alongside that we are very lucky enough to work very closely with FAO and OIE who work really tirelessly to talk about AMR in these different contexts as well So in the past, we've done a lot of collaboration with them. And even on this year's campaign, we've, we've talked about how we can align messages so that we're presenting a, a one health approach to AMR. We're talking about the whole thing so that nothing's left, nothing's left out. And, um, and we can make sure that every message is put out with that, that specific target audience in mind as well. It's quite a complicated process, as I'm sure you can imagine, but we're really just on, on the verge of, of understanding how to coordinate these messages. Um, we've been working very closely to try and figure out how, how we do this as best we can. And I think this is something that in the coming years, we're going to see a, a lot more work. We're going to see a, a lot more um, collaboration between the three organizations as well, particularly on communicating about AMR and antibiotics. Um So one thing that we have reflected a little bit upon here in the in the podcast before and talking with colleagues is that um, because there is an It seems to be an urge, of course, to communicate about this to the public, for them to understand that it's something we need to actively work on to move also political uh, interest and money. Uh, there seems to be different narratives to try to communicate AMR, that be it, for example, you know, the One Health approach that we already just mentioned, that all those things are connected, but also the well-known post-antibiotic uh, apocalypse disaster type of narrative. Now it comes into that AMR is very related to the sustainable development goals, so then it should be also communicated and explained through those concepts. How do you manage all this mess or this? I think they are all important, but how are they part of how you think about communicating AMR in your work? I mean, so we're definitely... We're definitely aware of some, and I like to think most of the different um, the different messages and different ways of talking about AMR that exist. Um, and we definitely have some internal ways that we would think about, we try to think about talking about AMR, um, making things, or avoiding this uh, sort of apocalypse, end of the world, these metaphors. Uh, we don't think it's helpful for communicating about AMR like that at all. We just don't think that that's, helpful to solving the problem but also helpful to anybody hearing any of these issues um so we we do think a lot about how we frame messages we as i said as we did talk about um we are looking more towards framing our messages in a one health context and where we are able to do that we're gonna we're gonna extend this in the future and i think we're gonna see a lot more of that in the future i mean often we've also to give an example um in the part of things that we've maybe tried to stay and avoid now as um the term superbugs was one that we we looked at quite carefully and in terms of framing of a message we get that it's very catchy 
um, but we didn't uh, we didn't like the word super. I think using the word super it came across as a bit confusing sometimes, and so now this is something that we're actively trying to avoid. So there's a lot of examples of, of little bits of language and how the language is framing AMR that we started to notice, we started to pick up on, and we're you know either we're trying to tag onto the back of as well or we're trying to make sure that we can steer the conversation in a different direction, a more positive direction for the overall message as well. Yeah, because I, mean, I guess super, it, uh, a lot of the cultural background of super is actually on a positive note, whereas when you use yeah, it for exactly. super bags, you want to say that it's like a really bad bag. But I can understand that some people or some sectors might actually not see that as such, especially, for example, kids, you know, like Superman. Exactly. They, exactly. they probably see it as, say, yeah, I want to be like a super bag. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand. exactly, exactly. Related to this, how, how do you guys assess um, the success of the impact of, of the communication strategies and the campaigns that you guys work with? I mean... Social media is a big player in how we talk about um, World Antibiotic Awareness Week in general. Um, we make sure that we do a lot of work specific on on social media, um, and this is partly because it engages with so many people so widely, and we're able to do it across so many different languages as well. Um, but also because we're able to uh, then then pull metrics from that and see popularity from that as well. I mean, beyond that, we have. Um, We have direct reporting from our regional offices and country offices um, in terms of if they held awareness campaigns during World Antibiotic Awareness Week um, and what kind of campaigns they did. And we have a very uh, good relationship with our country offices um, where we just get the most magnificent pictures and reports of these awareness campaigns um, every year. So last year we had 116 countries report to us that they held specific World Antibiotic Awareness Week campaigns, which is a number that we're obviously trying to uh, increase every single year if possible. Yeah, so uh, that was actually something I had in the back of my head to to get a little bit of insight if because you work as a global entity, but uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the work kind of needs to be done on site, right? You guys cannot be there in every single country. So what is the communication and the flow of work with these regions and with these countries' uh, institutions that can help with the communication of AMR? Um. I mean, for this campaign specifically, uh, we have a really good relationship with, yeah, as I said, the regional offices and the country offices. I mean, we see our, our main goal for this campaign is to support awareness activities at country level and at regional level. Probably at country level is more important to us at the moment, to be honest. So as a supporter in these sort of campaigns, We, uh, we try to push out materials as much as we can. We try to give them as many materials in as many languages as we can. Um, this year and last year, we were able to push out materials in all six UN languages, which is a really good basis. But we're also looking at how we can maybe expand that beyond the UN languages. We know that there are plenty of places that would really benefit from languages beyond that. And we're really trying to make sure that we have these languages and also that Um, people are able to identify themselves in the materials that we're able to provide for them as well, which is where this human-centered design comes in as well. So really, uh, at the moment, and, you know, the WA campaign only being in its, in its fifth year and, and the, only the second year that I've done it, there is still a back, and, a back and forth of information that's happening. We are still finding out what the most effective ways for our countries, how we can support them um, to 
the most in the most effective way. And this is still, you know, this is going to be a process for for a while until we're able to figure out exactly how we can both help each other out. Yeah, because those those regional places, they will have people that really understand what is the background knowledge of their people and how the cultural differences and the cultural backgrounds will affect the way they take on the information and all those exactly, nuances exactly. that are very important in order to get the message across. Exactly, exactly, which is definitely why we see, particularly for this campaign, is, yeah, it's definitely our role to support um, more than enforce a campaign. We're here to we're here to help and make sure that um, everybody can kind of have this really general level of awareness. And we know that in-country, they are able to provide the expertise um, to make that happen. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, I was thinking if you could comment a little bit on the on the role of social media uh, how important it is how do you guys are approaching you know because social media is a very good tool to inform but there is also a, a risk that there is misinformation going around that people like sharing information that it's a bit contrary to the goals that you might have so mm-hmm. how how is it risky and how can it help Yeah, I mean, obviously, social media is—it's um, a bit more of a conversation um, than a direct feed of information. Is is how I mean, I've always seen it, and how I've chosen to work with social media. Um, we're really lucky here that WHO has a quite a huge social media presence and is pretty pretty good at keeping up to date with uh, with everything as well. We have a great social media team here at WHO. I mean, the advantages of social media as well is that, as I said before, you know, through different social media channels, we're able to target different audiences. We know that there are some audiences that are more general public. We know that there are, you know, places where health workers are more likely to visit. And there's also, you know, more professionals as well and policymakers um, on different channels. So that's a huge advantage of social media that we are able to have this huge scope of target audiences in, in you know, at the touch of a button. So over the last two years of our campaign, we've encouraged uh, awareness through social media. Um, and again, this is facilitating um, other organizations, WHO offices and beyond to talk about AMR and antibiotics on social media. We've tried not to limit their scope at all. We've tried not to make sure that they only talk about one specific issue. And instead, we uh, we employed a multi-day messaging campaign on social media, whereby each day of World Antibiotic Awareness Week was aligned with one of the um, global action plan objectives. Um, so we were trying to push people in the right in the right direction, but we were trying to give them the freedom to talk about the issues that were most important to them contextually. Um, and I think that in itself is a really big advantage of social media. From across the other side of the world, we can say, you know, this is a, this is a, these are the important things to talk about, but also, you know, you have this huge platform, please talk about the most important thing to you. Please make sure that you are still raising the awareness levels um, based on your own specific context. And I think that's a really interesting part of social media. And we've received so far quite good feedback on it. Um, you know, people were really keen to make sure that they were still aligning their messages with WHO, but they had their own message as well. Um, and that's something that we will continue continue in this campaign as well. And I, I imagine beyond because uh, because we've received quite good feedback on it. And it's also because it's very important nowadays. We cannot just ignore the social media assist and the role it has in society. But do you think that uh, you guys reach more people through social media than other of the classical channels? 
Um, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers on, on our social media at the moment, to be honest, but I'd say so. I think that social media for a lot of people now, I mean, and this is just, this is how I've seen social media develop even over the last couple of years of my career. Um, you know, people are willing and wanting to engage with governments, organizations, um, and beyond on social media. So I think that, you know, it, as a tool, it's helping us to reach a lot of people, a lot of people that particularly with traditional media, we, we may not have ever reached. Uh, so we've talked uh, a bit about the strategies, the audience, how you guys work with the bringing the message. And now it comes kind of maybe the tricky question of asking, what do you think are the main challenges uh, that are hindering the communication and understanding of AMR around the world, if possible? And how could they be overcome? Yeah, that is the, that's the very tricky question. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, I guess the biggest challenge, I mean, and this is not just about communicating on AMR, this is about AMR in general, that extends to how we communicate about it, is that it's a multifaceted issue. I mean, there are so many stakeholders and there are still so many uncertainties around AMR um, that it really affects how we're able to communicate about it. We know that awareness activities around the world uh, need to be coordinated um, to be able to address the different levels of awareness. But I mean, that's much easier said than done. That is, I mean, to me, that is the, that is the biggest challenge. And in terms of, I mean, facing that challenge, I think it's going to take time more than anything, which is unfortunate given, you know, how, how urgent of an issue this is. But I think that this takes I think it takes campaigns and I think it takes communication that is built up over years. Um, I don't think that we can expect somebody to see a message once and then understand what this problem is. I think it's about us being able to help build up knowledge and build up awareness from the ground level. And that takes time at the very base. Yes, because I'm thinking now when you say from the ground up, I guess you also mean you know, that people grow up with these concepts in their day-to-day -day basis and and they are, that you are actually reaching or we are reaching, you know, younger people, younger generations that are going to to see these as, a, as something that it's part of the world, right? The same way that maybe some other, um, I'm thinking now about sexual education and how to prevent, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, which is something that we... We, we try to teach early on so they they modify the way that they see these diseases and how do they act to prevent the diseases. So I see that maybe this focus on educating the younger people, it's maybe the way to go forward. What do you think? No, exactly. Um, and this is, I mean, this is something that I have tried to introduce into this year's campaign or my team rather has tried to introduce into this year's campaign um, is being able to target younger and younger audiences in their formative years while they're learning about, you know, everything. We want AMR to be one of these fundamental things that they learn about, they know about, because we also know that, um, you know, children have a tendency to go home and talk to, talk to their parents, talk to their families, talk to their friends about their, their education and what they've been learning. And that's just, one way that information can spread and so one way we've tried to address this uh, in this year's campaign 
is we've uh, created an augmented reality app. So, you know, an app in general targets a bit younger, a bit younger of an audience. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that because this is one of the biggest things of this year as well, something that's going to be launched next week. And I wanted you to tell us a little bit about that. So now now it's your, your turn. Tell us about the augmented reality app. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're um, we're really excited. We're really we're really excited about this as well. So it's the first ever HQ um, app on antibiotics and AMR, and it's going to offer sort of a gamed experience that will take uh, take the user through a journey of discovering in real time how they react with microbes and bacteria in everyday life. Um, you know how these microbes and bacteria can lead to infections, um, and how sometimes they're actually they're just fine. They're part of your life. It also kind of teach people how antibiotics work and then how resistance can develop. So it's really a base level introduction, but with augmented reality, meaning that you look through your device and you see microbes, you, you see how they are all around us. You see what happens when you take antibiotics. Um, it's, it's a bit more interesting than just uh, reading about it from a textbook. So we're hoping that this can be like a very solid basis for um, how we start to educate younger people about bacteria and AMR um, and antibiotics in general, I guess. So is the goal that this app is going to be used in, you know, educational setting, like in classrooms or in a dedicated workshops or what's uh, your idea with the app? Um, so initially when we thought about the app, the goal was that we would hope that eventually it would be integrated into some sort of lesson plans, that it would be used in schools. Um, now, I don't think at this early stage that's going to be the case, at least not you know, at least not that we've planned for this year, but we do plan on, on developing this further over the coming years. This is a, a product that we can continue to look back at, um, evaluate and see how we can make it better and how we can integrate it further. And we think at this point that the development of it has just been such an exciting process for us. And we're so excited to have a product like this that we can show, that we can download and take to even our meetings, um, you know, show to our family, show to our friends and kind of describe what this phenomenon is, is a really exciting thing for us. So I think as we build on that, we're going to have a, we're going to see how we can integrate this further into learning that already exists. Yeah. So of course we are going to leave all the details about this app in the show notes. So anybody that is listening to us that has an interest to use this app in their educational setting or even at home, if they want to use it with their kids, they are going to be able to find information and they download uh, links and then maybe like play around a little bit with it. And of course, if they want to give some feedback, they are always welcome to either contact, you know, WHO or us and we could uh, work on that, of course. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Um, so we are going to start wrapping up the interview, but uh, I would like maybe if you can use this uh, arena to maybe make a wish list. So if, if you could ask for whatever you think is needed in this area and what would you like to see the movement and the work and the future going to, what, what would you say about that? Oh, a wish list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I think, I think given the scope of, of AMR and how, how difficult it is to talk about it from a top-down level, I think it would be remiss of me to say that I have a wish list. Um, I think... Um, annoyingly, my wish list is probably to hear from 
from everybody else to hear from um, you know all corners of the world what they need and what tools they need and what tools WHO might be able to give them to help spread awareness on AMR. Um, I think I really think that that is the job of this campaign is to be able to provide the tools for community-based or country-based or regional level discussions and, and general awareness at this point on AMR. So I guess, yeah, my wish list is uh, other people to give me their wish lists. <laughs> yeah, so but that actually makes total sense because I think, as I see it also, there is a little bit of lack of, of ground knowledge on, on mm-hmm. you know, what, are the, what is the background information that people have, what is the way that they take on the information in the best way, how they can actually be participants and active actors of, of learning about AMR. And I think that has to come from more the regional and the local level where there's people working with these groups of people, with these audiences and understanding how can we tailor the message better to them and then communicate it to to WHO this is what we can do here what can you provide for us so we move the message further right yeah that would I mean that's my ultimate wish list I I just need I would like to know and like to be able to help give those tools out but you know that's also knowledge that I I need as well yes of course but that's like yeah work moving forward and uh, it's a a good way to, to focus on yeah for the future um, is there anything else that you would like to tell our audience? Uh, let me have, a, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of the bases, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were able, I think, to pack uh, quite a lot of information in this, in this time. Yeah, I think so. No, I think that's, um, I think that's pretty, that's pretty fine at the moment. Well, with this, uh, I thank you so much for making the time. I know you guys are like crazy busy now that this uh, <laughs> week is coming the same the same as we all that are actively work on the on the campaign as well are. But you guys yeah. even more because you had to coordinate all the work. So I thank you in the name of uh, you know the Scientific Center and the AMR Studio that you made the time to to talk to us. And I hope our audience has learned about how you guys work and what are your strategies and what is needed uh, to move forward in this topic and thank you so much for having me thank you welcome back everyone i hope you guys enjoy listening to amy reed from who and that you learn something from these two episodes focusing on communications of amr We'll be back in two weeks with a regular episode on Monday, December the 2nd. And stay tuned because it's also going to be a little bit focused on communication and awareness on AMR as the aftermath of this World Antibiotic Awareness Week. Hope to have you back with us next month. Bye. For more information about the Uppsala Antibiotic Center, please visit our website. You can find a link in the episode notes. You can also follow us in Twitter. Our handle is UAC underscore UU. This episode was brought to you by the AMR Studios, composed by Eva Garmendia, Jenny Jackman, and Po Chen Tang. And a big thank you to Henrik Nis for letting us use his song, Sound the Alarm.